Adam Crowley Show. I'm much better than a fan and not as much of a jackass as that. On ESPN Pittsburgh. cover the Penguins here on the Crowley Show. We exclusively talk hockey a-, a bunch, certainly as the playoffs roll around. We also talk about what's going on in the landscape of the National Hockey League and throughout the playoffs. I think it's important to put the Penguins in context. So one of the things we're going to be doing is when a team's ousted, when they killed off, when they kicked to the curb, when they're picking up their golf clubs, we're going to eulogize them. It's only right. It's only right. And we have our first opportunity now as one team got unceremoniously ousted last night. My friends... What can we say about the 2017-2018 Los Angeles Kings? They were cut down and they're not so prime. We've seen them be so much better. <laughs> they won a couple of championships not all that long ago. And now it's just four games and got. <laughs> Same thing happened to the Hawks last year. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Drew Doughty's been suspended for the rest of the playoffs. And so have the rest of the King. <laughs> it's such a shame. Can Drew Doughty ever get it back together? I doubt it. In Los Angeles, regular season hockey, postseason hockey, offseason hockey all have one thing in common. Nobody cares. But you never know what you're missing until it's gone. <laughs> LA fans are made of more rubber than the pucks. They spend more time looking in mirrors in the front row than looking through the glass, but now they've got more time to be vain. Why? <laughs> they weren't counting on that. The biggest question in the offseason, I think, is whether or not the Lakers will get LeBron James. They were so young. Kopitar's coming off a heart trophy caliber season. Now he's got to go back to Slovenia. He had 92 points this season. Nobody saw him play, but he would have been touted as one of the best in hockey had they advanced. No! We do get to skip that charade. Do you think Kershaw can play well in the playoffs this year? That's what Kings fans are talking about now. Kings were a shell of them former selves at the end. They succumbed to the flurries. Now, a local sports talker, I think it was Muller, he picked the Kings to... uh. <laughs> Uh, represent the West in the Cup Finals. <laughs> he never saw him play. Nobody on the East Coast has. But they won back-to-back Cups a half decade ago, so you know they must be good. <laughs> well, so we thought. <laughs> Kings fans arrive late. They leave early. So they only watch the second period. <laughs> Luckily for them, though, that's the only time the Kings seem to give a rip this series. <laughs> Their effort at the end was not consummate of a champion. <laughs> they were on their last legs. Sad. Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Aniston, they all go to Lakers games. William Defoe, Forrest Whitaker, Tom Berenger, they all go to Kings games. Nobody watches the Clippers. 
Las Vegas didn't have a team last year. <laughs> they didn't have any players. No. They didn't have a vision. No. Not even they thought they no. could make the playoffs. Now they beat our mighty kings. <laughs> Checkmate. This is the worst thing that happened to the high and mighty in Los Angeles since the Me Too movement. <laughs> Too far. Hey, no need to start a riot. Seriously, though, is LeBron going to be a Laker next year? I think I can speak for <clears throat> all Kings fans right now uh, that are probably rooting for the Ducks. Infidelity is more Los Angeles than police brutality. Goodbye, 2017-2018 Los Angeles Kings. We hardly knew you. And now we don't have to. Rest in peace. Sad stuff, man. I know, it's tough. Real hard. I do laugh anytime somebody picks them, though. Well, they were great five years ago. I don't want to pick any of the good teams in the West. Might as well pick the Kings. Uh, I'd like to call out someone who just tried to call us here during that eulogy. Yeah. Lovely eulogy, by the way. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Um... He, when I answered the phone and asked for his name, he just said, God, is he immature, and then hung up on me. So That guy always calls. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's have him call back and get on the show. Yeah, call let's go, immature. man. Let's have him call you immature to your face, since not to the is, call screener. Since when is paying respect to the deceased? I know. When is that immature? It's sickening, the Don't people get it. in 2018. These man. trolls out there, it's just getting worse and worse. You know, and he's worse. immature. Yeah. He's the immature one. Yeah. Why don't you grow up, random caller? Yeah, why don't you realize when a passing has happened and maybe show a little respect? Jesus, I'm sick to my stomach over here. <sighs> Here's what happens, though. That guy calls in all the time and says the same thing. Oh, my God, is he immature. You know what? He's still listening. And the ratings are up 700%. He's still listening now. Give me a call. 412-922-2874. Let me say it slowly, you numbskull, so you can remember it. 412 412- Nine two 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 eight seven four. Adam, if I could say, I thought that was a beautiful yeah. tribute. Oh, I was to in tears a, to a team gone. Yeah. I was crying. I don't yeah. even care about the Kings, but I was in tears over here. I know. I got to change my contacts over here. Yeah, yeah it's really upsetting. It's just tough. On and that's one of fifteen. We got to do that. Oh no! Oh, this is going to be a sad show. It's a bloodbath. Oh, it's a massacre. No. These playoffs. It's a grind. Before we get back into the playoffs, we're going to hear from Rob Rossi coming up in 13 minutes here on the show. He knows Marc-Andre Fleury. They've been texting. He uses the F word with Rob. I think they've got a good rapport. He'll tell us what he thinks is going on with those guys. We'll also get into why the Penguins were bad on the road this year, and they're not bad at all in Philadelphia. But I don't know if you guys saw this, but rumor has it that Tom Brady might not come back. What? Tom Brady? But he might come back. What? What? It's possible he comes back. He also might not, according to reports. What's your source on this? My source is Shefty. What? The Shefty. I know. This is what happens on ESPN, right? It's the content creation Wednesday. When they've <laughs> run out of garbage to talk about from the weekend, it's what the hell are we going to talk about on Wednesday? And that's why, in the Levitard show brings this up all the time. I think it's a really good point. They'll always drop the... Mock draft on a Wednesday. Uh, someone will always punch someone else in the face on a Wednesday. And now, of course, first thing in the morning, is Tom Brady coming back? And I guarantee you they spent the entire two hours today on first take talking about it. I guarantee you Golik and Wingo just 
Huh. Almost said a bad phrase there. They probably, you know, were touching each other, thinking about the fact that maybe Tom Brady's not coming back. And spoiler alert, I'm breaking it right here on the Crowley Show. And in fact, Tom, can you play the breaking news sounder again? I'll give you as much time. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tom Brady's coming back. What? What? I can report it right now. Tom Brady's coming back. Yep. You have good sources. I have a source. It's called Common Effing Sense. How about that for a source, ESPN? Stephen A. Smith's blowing a gosh darn gasket. Who's the guy they put with Stephen A? It's always a white guy. It's an interchangeable white guy arguing with Stephen A. Max Kellerman? It's Max Kellerman. Max is great. But he buys into this whole machine thing, too. I guarantee you today he's flipping out. Oh, my God, if Brady doesn't come back, what's going to happen? Because they traded Garoppolo. Oh, what a terrible idea by the management for the New England Patriots. And meanwhile, Stephen A's like, oh, he's coming back, man. He is. Not worth discussing. Apart from actually... Discussing ESPN's futility, it's not worth even getting into. But again, I'll report it right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. I want it on the bottom line. I want it all over ESPN. I need it on Pro Football Talk. I need it on NBC. I need it everywhere. On the bottom line, Adam Crowley, ESPN Pittsburgh, says Tom Brady's coming back. Because at some point he will announce it. I'm announcing it first right here on the show. He will be back. I promise you. Braden tweets, that eulogy got me, man. R.I.P. and peace, Kings. Andrew tweets, underscore Adam Crowley. That was good. F the Kings. Man, the body's not even cold yet. Not at all. Question, though. Did he really tweet R.I.P. and peace? He did. He gets the show. He does get the show. He really gets the show. Braden. Braden. God bless you. (laughs) Rest in R.I.P. and peace. Rest in peace and peace. You don't get the show. I get the show. Shut up. I'm just shaking. The Kings are gone, man. My God. What happened, Tom? Someone called in again. Yeah, he was just saying uh, he's part of the 700% increase, and he just wanted to say congrats on all our success. Wow. We got a good good backdoor call Steve from Phoenix. Oh! Shout out. Steve. That's a Steve good. From Phoenix. That's a good call and hang up. I think that might be the first one. Like you know, all the other people kind of get it, but we always get the hate calls. They're always cowards, is what it is. Yeah, but that guy, love you, Steve. Wow. Love you, man. When you pass, have your wife or girlfriend or whomever pass us a note. We'll make sure to eulogize you properly, too. Yes. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. So we got some tweets flowing in. Again, the calls 412-922-2874. The Penguins are bad on the road this year, guys. I mean, they stunk. They're the worst team in the playoffs on road ice. And it didn't make much sense to me. And then I dug through some numbers. Got a little help from my friend StatPat. Stay the frig away from the microphone, Stat Pat. Get him out of the room. Get, Dude, Stat Pat, leave. Give me a second, please. No, Stop. get him out. Get, out. get out of here. Please, Stat Pat, please, no. Please. No. Lock the door, Adam. Lock the door. He's, he just keeps coming in. Like, okay, from now on, he's not allowed in this studio. He's not allowed in any studio with a microphone connected to this radio station. He's not allowed. He can do his stats in a room where nobody sees him. No windows. Dark. Do your stats. Pat, slide him under the door, man. I need him still. You're right, though. We don't need that guy talking. I just need the numbers. That's all I need. And what I found, or I guess I should be accurate, what StatPad found was that most of these terribly 
outrageous anomaly statistical games the Penguins suffered on the road came in the second of back-to-backs. <laughs> How about that? How about that? They got bludgeoned against Chicago, a 10-goal game. They got bludgeoned twice against Tampa in the second of back-to-backs. So in those games alone, you're talking about a minus 24 goal differential. That skews everything. Now, the record, not great, but a lot of those losses, again, happened in the second of back-to-backs. Not only are you not going to play back-to-backs in the playoffs, but as we've seen this week, you might get an extra day of rest. How about them apples? Penguins will be fine. And really, they were fine against Philadelphia anyhow. I brought this up yesterday, and assist does go to SP. The Penguins won all three games played thus far at the Wells Fargo Center this year. 5-1-5-1-5-2. That is 15-4. Penguins are 6-for-13 on the power play in Philadelphia this year. The Flyers are 0-for-15. Crosby's got a point in each of the games played. He had eight in all three games against Philly this year. I think it's Sid that kind of gets these things going for the Penguins. He knows, look, we cannot rest on our laurels against Philadelphia. Even if it's a second of a back-to-back, even if we're not playing great hockey right now, we've got to find a way to get the two points. We've got to find a way to win in the playoffs despite being on the road. And, hey, they have. They're okay. Don't yins worry about it at all. Coming up next, Marc-Andre Fleury's best friend. Just ask him. Rob Rossi from the trip. Had Rossi on for three hours last week. Too much Rossi. So we'll do it for 15. It's the Crowley Show. Penguins Flyers tonight, 7 o'clock. We're carrying it right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Vegas Golden Knights, they'd be on fire. Joining us now to discuss all that, and Bruno Martina is Rob Rossi from the Trib. Rob, how are you today? I'm wonderful, Adam. I couldn't be better. Really? You sound down. What's up? Oh, it's just a sad day, you know. Bruno was a... Uh... Bruno's a legend in these parts, so a little sad to see him go. But, you know, other than that, I got a hockey game that I have zero interest in to watch tonight, so that should be fun. Why don't you want to watch the game tonight? I just, this series is doing nothing for me. It's it's, uh, it's much like the Penguins and Flyers have been all year. It doesn't feel like Penguins-Flyers. It just, um, I think it's because it's it's fairly clear one team is better than the other, and so much has to go right for the Flyers to even be competitive. Um, so, so we'll see. You know what, Rob? It doesn't feel like playoff hockey to me either. I, I watched that game last night between Columbus and Washington, and the speed with which those teams went up and down the ice and the intensity with which the game was played is something we haven't seen thus far in this series. Every game, the score has gotten away from them, I guess a little bit in the early portion of Game 3. We saw the Flyers come out and play good hockey, but other than that, it really doesn't feel like a playoff series to me. Yeah, well, I don't know. The Flyers are overmatched, and it's it's pretty obvious when you watch the game. It's pretty obvious when you study the, the metrics of this, Adam. Uh, you know, if Couturier can play tonight and without Hornquist, I guess that could, you know, shift this dynamic. But this is just a bad matchup for the Flyers, and, 
you know, they, they require a lot of things to happen to, to again, to even be competitive with the Penguins. And the other thing, too, is they can't do consistently some of the things that previous Flyer teams have been able to do to the Penguins. They're, they're not the old nasty Flyers. I mean, you, you saw it a little bit in game two, but, uh, you know, again, that – I think the best game the Penguins played this series was the one they lost. Agreed. So I look it were for the Flyers to win this series. You know they, they now have to win three of the final four games, and it's just think of it this way: they would have to get better goaltending than the Penguins. Their power play would have to be better than the Penguins. They would have to get scoring depth that's better than the Penguins. Their stars would have to outplay the Penguins. Their coach would have to outcoach Mike Sullivan. I mean, you're just asking an awful lot. And, you know, I said it a couple weeks ago, Adam, I, I thought as much as I was down on the Penguins, this was the matchup where I said, you know, this is the favorable matchup for the Penguins. And, the, the, you know, the unique thing about this tournament is – you only need to get that one matchup that's advantageous to you early on to really allow you to reset. And I, I do think there's a little bit of that going on with the Penguins right now. Um, the seeding really broke in their favor. Uh, I expect them to win tonight. I expect them to end this thing Friday night in Pittsburgh. And I guess the biggest concern people will have will be rust. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And you said this you didn't say this, but I think it could be a springboard for them moving forward. They're a flawed hockey club. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We've talked about that. But well, everyone in the East is. They are. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, it's the, the better teams are in the West this year. Uh, Nashville and um, Winnipeg and Vegas, I think, would be, you know, should be considered favorites. Uh, I know people are high on Boston. I'm not as high on Boston as everybody else is. Um, I, I will say there are some positive things that the Penguins have had happen for them in this series. I think the biggest thing is, look, we've all been asking all year what's wrong with Chris Letang. I do think there's an element of Chris Letang, to be Chris Letang, needs to play 25 minutes in a hockey game. He wasn't doing that in the regular season. I don't know if he tires himself out. I don't know if he conserves energy uh, so he can play the 25 minutes. But when you watch him and he's playing that heavier workload, you don't see some of the mistakes that you see when he's not. And I think they found something there. I think this series has allowed Matt Murray to work himself into a group. I still don't think he's playing great. But I st- I mean, by that, I mean, I think, I think he's another level he can reach. Another couple levels he can reach. But he hasn't been taxed in this series, which is good, because he needed to work himself into that groove. And, I think the Penguins have found something with their top line, which was a question mark going in. We didn't know if this was going to work uh, because it hadn't been working with Sid, but their top line has been so territorially dominant, and, and really the same with Malkin. So uh, I, I think these are all positives for the Penguins to build upon. Yes, they have some flaws, Adam, but every team in this Eastern Conference, I can make a case as a flaw where I would go, this is the flaw that, prevents them from winning a series against the Penguins. So I, I, I still think this is a team that 
again, because they drew this, this matchup, they drew the Flyers, this allowed them to reset. And sometimes you need to get lucky like that. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker, breaker, one nine. We got a baby bear and a plain white wrapper riding donkeys and flinging paper on Green Tree Road near Interstate 79. It's by the casket stand next to the Holy House. Kill the throttle and hide your bottles, else you're going to have to drop them green stamps. It's the Smoker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Baby Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air, you give us a holler and we'll get you home without that extra freight. And you remember, always keep that shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. Rob, Marc-Andre Fleury was fabulous, uh, as his team was in round one against the Los Angeles Kings. Have you had any correspondence with young Marc-Andre, or I guess old Marc-Andre at this point? Yeah, yeah. we were chatting after the game last night, um, about an hour after the game, just, just talking about the, the, the way the series went. And uh, you know, look, I'll say this about Marc. Um, he's really dialed in right now. You can see that with the way he plays. I can just tell by the way he's talking. You know, one of the things he's repeated to me throughout this opening round, and, you know, I've, I've touched base with him after every game, is, you know, hey, it's one victory, it's one win. You know, we got a long way to go. Uh, the one funny line he had last night was um, I, I talked to him about, you know, what a significant moment this was to have the NHL have a team in Vegas win its first-round series. And he said, you know, he joked, he said, well, you know, they had to send me out here to sell the game out west. And so I joked with him, yeah, it's him and Gretzky, that's the list. But uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's in his own right now. Look, Adam, I tweeted this last night. I keep seeing all these people that I respect, uh, colleagues of mine, nationally talk about how has this happened with Vegas. Look, they've been one of the better teams all year. They are a team that has an identity. They're a team that can play multiple styles. They have depth throughout their lineup. They have speed. They have a great goalie. They are really well coached. If you said that about any other team, you'd be saying that's the type of team that could go deep in the playoffs. People seem surprised. We've been seeing this all year from Vegas. I don't think we should be surprised. Yeah, I don't think so either. And one of the things that's gone really well in the favor of the Golden Knights is that they've been so good at home. And I kind of thought that might fall off a little bit in the playoffs because I thought the novelty might wear off when a team is staying there and and they're probably not going to get all wrapped up in the Vegas stuff because, hey, guess what? They've got a playoff series to win, but I think I'm wrong there. I, I think Vegas feels so comfortable at home, and I, I really think I, they are a good hockey club. So let me ask you this, though, Rob. Uh, George McPhee, there was a story written on ESPN talking about how good of a job he did. He did it by accident. Uh, give me a break there. Well, I mean, I, I look, I think... The NHL put rules into place to really position the Vegas Knights to take advantage of some GMs if GMs chose poorly. And a lot of these GMs chose to make moves and make deals, you know, handshake agreements with McPhee that were favorable. So, look, I mean, people can say this about George McPhee. I, I think this is going to be a blueprint of what not to do for the Seattle expansion draft when it comes around. I mean, the Penguins didn't have a choice, right? They had to give up one of their goalies because of the rules. Um, they were either going to have to expose Mark andre Fleury or expose Matt Murray. So the truth of the matter is, Adam, 
whoever the Golden Knights were going to have in net, it was going to probably be a former Penguin goalie. But there were a lot of other teams that just chose, instead of giving up a a, a player uh, or giving up somebody that they were attached to, chose to try to keep that person and cut deals. And they the thing about Vegas that I think people need to keep in mind is they have a ton of draft picks. They have a ton of equity. This is just the start. And, you know, I was... Uh, Something James Neal told me a couple of weeks ago because I asked him about that Vegas crowd and you know the you know the Vegas flu you hear and he said something to keep in mind it's it's a nineteen thousand plus seat arena that's full every night they don't know what they're watching and they because of that and because the way the arena was built Adam you know you talk to people that have covered games there you talk to guys that have played there the crowd's right on top of you it's built like an older arena. And so, but they never stop cheering. It's a little bit like their inexperience as a as an NHL market plays into their favor. Uh, I don't see this team slowing down. And the way the West is set up, it, you're probably going to have Winnipeg versus Nashville. If Nashville can get past Colorado in that second round, which I really think you're going to have Vegas sitting there in the Western Conference Final, poised to pick off a, a team that you know, has survived a, a, a real gauntlet. And, look, I've said it. I mean it. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the Vegas Golden Knights standing at the end of the year with a Stanley Cup. And in a lot of ways, I think that would be the best story for the NHL. Oh, my God, it would. But would it also kind of not be, though? Just how can a team be thrown together and then win the championship all in one year? I think it kind of speaks terribly of all the other general managers and of the league as a whole. Well, you want to sell parity. I mean, Gary Bettman likes to talk about competitive balance. Competitive, his teams are all competitive. If you could have a team, you know, think about what a great story it would be for the league if the cup final was Vegas versus Pittsburgh and the two-time defending champ, the powerhouse, the, the franchise of this salary cap era, was knocked off by an expansion team. I mean, people around here wouldn't like it. Rossi, well, my God, I, I hate, I hate you because you're right. No, you're, no, 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 no. I hate I'm you because right you're really you are you are right about that. Uh, I I think that it is an indictment on the league that the Golden Knights could win the championship, but what would garner the most interest? And bring in the most fans who are casual sports fans is that without a doubt you are right. Damn it, I hate that. Well, I mean, you should be used to hating me for being correct at this point. I know that's why we cut you back from three hours to fifteen minutes. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you even you played the eastbound and down thing, so I, you know, I, I really get less time. Smoky report. Oh, and we're not done just yet, my friend, although <laughs> uh, we do take a somber turn now. Uh, I was never a wrestling guy. However, I am from Pittsburgh. How well did you know Bruno uh, San Martino? And I know you are a wrestling guy. What did he mean to this region? And what did he mean to wrestling? So here's the thing. I didn't know Bruno. I met him a couple times. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to put out there. I'll say this. I, I was a wrestling geek as a kid. And what always fascinated me about Bruno was the people I didn't, the people I knew in my life, family, friends who didn't know wrestling, older people at the time, they all knew Bruno San Martino. And I, for a while, I thought that was because, well, he's from Pittsburgh. Uh, and certainly in Pittsburgh, Bruno, yeah, Bruno probably deserves to be on sort of the pop culture Mount Rushmore here in Pittsburgh. I'm not sure about the sports Mount Rushmore, but, you know, when you start talking about Mr. Rogers, Bruno San Martino, there's an elite group of Andy Warhol 
of these people that are identifiable internationally from being Pittsburgh, right? So Bruno's in that mix. But what I really found was, as I got older, the the ethnicity, the Italian-American pride for Bruno San Martino, uh, that was real wherever you went. I would go to, well, I'll say this. When I was in Moscow in 2012 with Evgeny Malkin, um, I told people around, I told people I'm from Pittsburgh, and they obviously connected hockey to Pittsburgh a lot, but they knew Bruno San Martino. Um, you know, I had one gentleman say Bruno San Martino was his favorite wrestler growing up. And so, I mean, Bruno was a legendary guy, uh, and I'm not sure in Pittsburgh it's understood enough how big a deal he was outside of the wrestling community because he was thought of as sort of a Paul Bunyan-esque guy, uh, more as much of a myth as he was a, as a legend. Rob, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much, uh, as always, and we'll be keeping in contact as the playoffs roll on. And... Have you talked to your grandmother today after the Pirate win? Uh, I did not. Uh, they lost okay. the series, so she's okay. still pretty All pissed right. off I about that. Sure, I didn't want her to get too down because they lost a couple games. She w- she's not down, but today's a hockey day in Pittsburgh, my friend. Yes. Hey, no, thanks I'll a lot, Rossi. All right. Be good. Rob Rossi, the Trib. Friends with the Gany Malkin. I didn't know that. Uh, learning something new. I love you, Rossi. I do. I do. Good guy. Good guy, right, Rossi. Is he, a, is he a friend of Malkin? They're boys. Oh, I, I didn't hear it because I was busy picking all this stuff up off the floor. What's on the floor? Names. Must have dropped them. This just in. Poll results are final. Does Stat Pat have to go? At underscore Adam Crowley. 48% of the audience says yes. 52 says, keep them around. I'm going to run down the hall and get that bitch. He's, he's suspended. You can't take a suspension away Look, in the middle the of the Look, the listeners day. matter. Yes, I do what the listener wants. They do, but how's he going to take it if like, we tried to punish him? What if he does something later wrong and we have to punish him? Look, look, guys, I didn't want to pull this card. I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. My name's on the show. And, and look, Pat, oh, Pat me and Pat, gosh. we're boys, wow. okay? Hey, Thomas, there it is. Hey, Tom, his name's on the show. The Adam Crowley show. Yeah, yeah so, wow. Okay, whatever. Okay, you're oh, excellency. You're so, you're so talented, man. Wow, Crowman coming at it. Whatever you say, Crowman. I've got all the power. There's nothing you guys can do to stop me. I can do whatever the hell I want, and I can say what Like, she kind of gets around. He's not listening. I don't think he's listening. Guys, I just heard you talking about me. You said my name. What's up? Nothing, man. We were just saying you're doing a great job. Listeners like you. Yeah, they like me. Uh, I like statistics. (laughs) And 52% of the audience says I can keep doing it. This is great. Yeah, it's, it's great. Awesome. Stat, Pat, SP. Here, here's the thing, pal. Don't SP him. Do not give him. An... What? It's a moniker. No, it, it, Stat Pat is. There's no need for any kind of SP. And no, no. My wife always calls me SOP. I don't know what it means, but she says it all the time. It's a term of endearment, Stat Pat. Get out of here, Stat Pat. I will call you when I need you. Let's just be real here. I when when I need you, we'll bring you back. That's it. That's, I think we can all agree on that. For legit statistics, Tom, yes, we can bring him back? Maybe. No, I can't agree on it. Well, but apart hey, from na- that, though. Your name's on the show, though, That's so true. you do what you want. Well, I'm a big deal. Yeah. 
Major medium market star, this guy right here. 700%. 700%? Year of Excellence 2.0? Woo! 2.0? No! No, get dude, out. You're no, done. you're done. You're, done. you're out of here. Out of here. Just get, I will call it for you. Blew it again. I will rattle your cage Whoa. when we need you. Now we got him locked up down in the mail room. He's fine. He's okay. No big deal. I just saw this, too. Facebook.com. Uh, big site. Check it out. Although they got stuff going on right now that you, you just maybe you know what, maybe stay off of Facebook. Anyway, I was on Facebook because I haven't learned any better, and I saw that Heinz has launched a new brand that bottles ketchup and mayonnaise together. And all I gotta say is that us white people gotta be loving that. That's huge. I'm all about that. I mean, that's exactly what I do when I make a burger. I roll down some mayonnaise, mm-hmm. and I throw a little ketchup on that, mm-hmm. and I use the bun. And when I, when I set it down on top, I do a little twisting motion just so it all kind of spreads out. Yeah, what I do is I it's kind of like a labyrinth. I start with the circle of ketchup, mm-hmm. and then within that spiral oh. of ketchup, I spiral the mayonnaise inside of it. That's a nice play. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try that. It is aesthetically pleasing as well as delicious. Wow. Mm-hmm. Throw a pickle on top of that. Dude, Dills. <laughs> okay, just checking. Just checking. Slice, though. Chips. Oh, Daddy. Yeah. Daddy. Yeah. Of course that's the move. Tom, I know you like mayonnaise. You know they're not calling it fancy sauce, right? What are they calling it? They said they're workshopping like mayo chup or something like that. I don't think I mentioned what they were naming it. No, I've seen this story Without you breaking it to me. I, I look at things without you telling me. Really? Yeah. My name's on the show. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. You did. Oh, I mean, but still. I'm catch, sorry. Catch A's would be a better name than Mayo Yeah. Well, it should be fancy sauce. That's the bottom line. Whatever the hell it is, it's going to be effing delicious. Yeah. I'm, I'm buying that. It is perfect for burgers. And, in fact, question. Hmm. Yin's ever put mayo on a hot dog? Never. Oh, my God. I have not. Oh, my God. I love mayonnaise. I have it on every sandwich. Organic. I love it, too. Trader it, Joe's. I see. I got to have the Hellman's. It's got to be Hellman's. Mm-hmm. Hellman's be. is good. Miracle Whip, get the bleep out get of here. That's not mayonnaise. Yeah, GTFO. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'll eat it, but Cheap it's not the same. Cheap knockoff. Yeah, it's bastarded. Yeah. Not a fan of those flavored mayonnaises, either. No! Like olive oil. No! Like mayonnaise gotcha. tastes like mayonnaise, and that's what I want it to taste like. In fact, in college, whenever I got big and fat, I would go to Chick-fil-A every day for breakfast. Oh, boy. Yeah, shocking how I got so big. Nope. That plus the beer plus the lack of exercise, really just, it was shocking. And I would get the spicy chicken biscuit, and I would layer it with mayonnaise. Oh, We're talking boy. about for breakfast. Whoops. Wow, and that's a place where the sandwich actually could do without some mayonnaise because it's kind of constructed that way. You know, it's got the you just got the pickle on it and the bun, and the bun's mm-hmm. really good. So adding mayonnaise to that, no pickle in the morning, but no pickle, no, no pickle, on no it? pickle in the morning. Uh, well. That would be disgusting. You, no you mayonnaise know, though. Wait a minute, you know they take their chicken and they they soak it in pickle juice. That's how they marinate it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm hungry. The more you know, Crowley. I'm hungry. I am drunk. And I'm looking forward to playoff hockey. If anyone out there has like a bucket of mayonnaise and some burgers, maybe a chicken sandwich, please bring it here. Bucket's a little unnecessary. There's three of us. Four. Katie O's in there, too. Bucket and a half. Okay. Katie can consume mayonnaise. She loves her mayonnaise. She loves it. White people love mayonnaise, from what I hear. It's a white people thing. 
Tom told me that once in a show meeting. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, whatever. It's 100% true. 100% true. It's. Uh, I mean, you love it, right? Mayonnaise? Yeah. I'm white. You are, in fact, white. So. Agreed. Yeah. I you can't it. convince me otherwise. Nothing you will say will convince me that I am not white. Speaking of white, Jesse Marshall going to join us at 6 o'clock to talk hockey. Uh, it's been an all-hockey show. We would love mayonnaise, this hockey-loving show. <laughs> all these whiteies up in here. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I've talked a bunch about Mike Sullivan's impact on these Penguins tactically with his line changes, X's and O's. He's just a hell of a coach. He understands how to win hockey games without a doubt. He's 8-0 in playoff series on the cusp, I think, of going 9-0. and But one of the things that stands out to me is how the Penguins have changed their game against rivals. You go back to 2012, and they got bitch-slapped. Bitch-slapped by those Philadelphia Flyers. They blew leads in games one and two of their series. It was embarrassing. It was the worst, I think, period of Penguins hockey under Crosby and Malkin bar none. Crosby fought Giroux. Chris Letang blew his lid. Malkin was a menace. The trio combined for 21 points and 36 penalty minutes. Penguins were the better team that year. I think they'd have beaten probably any other team in hockey other than those Flyers, but Philly had gotten under their skin all year long, Philly led the league in penalty minutes with over 1,300. Sid and his mates did not know what to do. They gave up 12 power play goals in the series and more goals in game six, and this is nuts, than they did in their entire cup run in 2009. Thank you, Stat Pat. The team totally lost composure. That was under Dan Bilesma. That was then. This is now. With Mike Sullivan at the helm, the Penguins have bought into the mantra of just play. This team doesn't flip a goose as quickly as the 2012 team did. Sure, Malkin was bad then, and he'll take an untimely penalty or two now, and Latang can lose his cool, but this team is far more mature under Sullivan than it ever was under Dan Bilesma. Penguins could have unrivaled in the 2016 playoffs when the Capitals were on the comeback in Game 6. They did not succumb to the pressure. They wound up winning the game in overtime. The Jackets... Tried to run the Penguins' defense out of the building last year, and they were hitting everything that moved. The Penguins played their game. They wound up winning the series in five games. Hell, last year in the Cup Final, Penguins went 37 minutes without a shot in Game 2 of the Cup Final. Previous Penguins teams, and one pops out immediately, the 2013 version against Boston, would have lost their cool spontaneously combusted, and went back to Pittsburgh with their tail between their legs. Not this team, not with this coach. You see, in 2012, when the Flyers tried their nonsense, the Penguins blew up. This year, when the Flyers are dumb, the Penguins go on the power play. I'd say this strategy's working a little bit better. Six years ago, the emotion of the rivalry got the best of the Penguins. Now, I don't even think of it as a possibility. With Sullivan in the fold, the Penguins just play. And when they do that, Flyers can't win. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Couturier might be out of the lineup. Patrick Hornquist might be out of the lineup. In fact, he's definitely going to be out of the lineup. The question is, how long will he be out of the lineup? Damn hockey writers. Get me all hot and bothered thinking about a hockey game. And you got Cooter. And you got Horny. Uh, the only thing that could get me more excited is if Kucherov got hurt. And you know, ah, Cooch is down. What happened to Cooch?
I've seen stories written about the league around Valentine's Day where they always name, oh, who's got the best names for Valentine's Day? And Rod Brindamore is always on there. And the Hart Trophy. Oh, boy, how cute. Uh, but love's one thing on Valentine's Day. What about the cooter? What about horny? I don't know how many times I'm allowed to say cooch before I get in trouble, so... You're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with cooch. No! Good stuff. Cooch be good. I love cooch, in fact. Big fan. Yeah. That guy could have won the heart this year. Speaking of being excited, Josh gets off on my TV right now. Hair's looking good. If Borky walks into frame... <laughs> Up next, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins the show. We'll talk matchups. We'll talk horny. We'll talk coots. It's Crowley's show.